1: and believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come Here's a shelter from the coming storm
0: I watched the videos of Fort Myers, Florida, as the hurricane storm surge came sweeping in and suddenly Fort Myers, a town I have spent much time in, became an ocean. A storm more intense and more dangerous is now beginning to break over America. And we will not recognize our land after this storm has broken and the devastation and the loss of life. We're in trouble. And I've been going to the scriptures, I've been crying out to God for you and for me and for the church I've been crying out to God for America. There's a story that I began yesterday I want to go back to because it holds some secrets for survival. We are caught between the devil and the living God of heaven. The battle is on between them, and we must take sides and not imagine that we can just live out our happy lives in America. That time is over. We find Jesus tired from many miles of walking in the sun. It's now about noon, he comes into the land of Samaria to Jacob's well. And there he sits down at the well and sends his disciples to get food in the town of Sychar. As he's there, a woman comes out from town in the heat of the day. It was obvious she was not welcomed among the other women of the village because she was a woman of ill repute. She had a bad reputation. She comes, and Jesus, as a Jew, is not allowed and not supposed to speak to a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman, but he asks her for a drink. She's amazed. She asks, Why would you, a Jew, ask me for a drink? And Jesus now begins to engage her because what he wants is her salvation and the salvation of her whole village. He is there to do the work of God. Jesus tells her that if she asks him, he will give her water that will well up in her belly and she will never have to drink water again. Well, the woman immediately grabs that handle. She doesn't want to come to this well and be embarrassed any longer. She's tired of the of the embarrassment and the misery of walking out here to the well some distance from the city with a heavy water pot. Jesus says to her, "You must go. Call your husband and come here. You want this water? There's a price." Go get your husband. Now, Jesus knows what he's doing. He is uncovering her heart. The first thing we see when God begins to really move in our lives is he uncovers our hearts. The woman answers, I have no husband. Just give me the water, Jesus. I have no husband. And Jesus said, you said, well, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. You've said this truthfully. Well, now she's exposed. Now Jesus knows, or should I say, now the Samaritan woman knows that she's been exposed that she's been seen. And she immediately jumps into a theological controversy with Jesus. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. You Jews are saying that it is in Jerusalem, that that's the place where it's necessary to worship. Now I want you to listen carefully because there's a secret here, a truth that has the power to change your life. Jesus says to her, this is John, the fourth chapter, verse 21. Woman, you must believe me that an hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Verse 23, an hour is coming And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For indeed, the Father is seeking such ones to worship him. God is spirit, and the ones worshiping him must worship in spirit and in truth. Well, let's do some defining, please. What is spirit? Well, man is made up of of basically three parts. He is made up of his spirit. He's made up of his soul. And he has a body. Body, soul, and spirit. Many people worship God in their soul. The soul is our personality. It's just who we are in personality. Some people are introverts. Some people are extroverts. Some people are this way or that way. And so we go to church and there's a band playing or there's a a praise and worship and everybody's getting excited and, and worshiping God. They're worshiping in their soul. This is soul worship. This is not the kind of worship that God is looking for. He's not interested in soul worship. We each have different personalities. We each come differently before the throne of God. One man will come in wearing a pair of shorts, another man a pair of jeans. Another man will come in a suit and tie. we come to the living God of heaven. But he's not looking for soul worship or body worship. The Father, Jesus said, is looking for spirit worship. What is spirit worship? It is when my spirit becomes one with the Holy Spirit and I worship In other words, when the innermost part of my being I am pouring out before God and there is a spirit connection. Now the problem is there are many different kinds of spirits. There is the kundalini spirit. It is a spirit of the body. It is a spirit of flesh. It is not a spirit of God not the God of heaven. There is every spirit of darkness. I listened to a woman as she described her death, her murder. And she was pulled through, she said, a long tunnel. She came to the end of the tunnel And it was brilliant with light. It was beautiful. It was beyond anything she could ever possibly imagine. And there was such love flowing. And she saw Jesus. She walked toward him, but he was engaged. And so she turned and walked away. And she said, in her spirit, she heard, my daughter, why are you walking away from me? so she turned back and jesus was walking right beside her and they communicated by thought not by words and she said that jesus began to explain to her that there was only love in heaven and that in heaven I'm hesitant to say this because I don't want to in any way lead you astray to believe that I believe what I'm reporting to you. This woman said, every person will have either immediate access to Jesus or they will be sent into a place called hell where they will be punished for their sins, and then they will be brought back into the heavenly realm and into the total love of God that is unconditional for all of the human race. Well, as soon as she said this, I knew she was not speaking truth. She was in communion with a spirit, and then she came back to life. Her children did not come back to life, but she did. And now she spreads her message everywhere that God is unconditional in his love and that every person will finally be brought into the kingdom of heaven. Even the devil will be saved in the end. Well, her message does not agree with what the word of God says. So we come the father is looking for a person who will worship in spirit, but that spirit may be a demon spirit, as was the case with this woman I've just described. And so there is a great deal of room for deception in the spirit realm. I sometimes have likened it to be like a radio You turn on the radio, and there are many different stations that you can listen to. These these stations fill the air. In the spirit realm, there are many different spirits that you can listen to, and they will deceive you if possible. And you'll say, but I was there. I experienced it. It's real. No, it's not. It depends on the spirit you're in connection with. So we're called to worship God in spirit, which means we are going to utterly open the spirit of our heart and our mind to God. But how do we know that we are opening our spirit and our mind to the God of heaven, to Jesus Christ? Mormons, Buddhists, Hindus, Christians, we all open our hearts to a spirit. For we are spirit beings, The question comes, is the spirit that you have opened your heart to Jesus Christ? Does your spirit and does the spirit you connect with acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God? You test the spirits. But now I want to go further in this passage. It says, the Father... Is seeking such ones to worship God. God is spirit, and the ones worshiping him must worship in spirit and truth. In spirit and truth. So it's not enough to simply worship God in spirit because it may be a false spirit. So we are told in the book of First John that we must test the spirits. And the test of the spirit is whether or not that spirit acknowledges that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And it is through him that salvation must flow. Now, please hear what I'm saying. We love things of the spirit. We love the music that carries us into another realm. Hip-hop, many other kinds of music, transport you into another realm. The arts, movies, they transport you into another realm. The question is, Is it the realm of truth? Truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. And we are not the determiners of what is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. He is a man. Remember in John the first chapter? I'll go back and... Just read it for you so you can hear it again. The word, the Logos, was in a beginning, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The one was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing has happened that has happened. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light keeps on shining in the darkness, but the darkness overpowered it not. So John the Baptist came testifying that this logos, this word, was Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So please understand with me jesus is telling this woman something that is very very critical for you to understand that the father is looking for people who will worship him in spirit that is who will open their hearts totally and completely to him not not soul worship not personality worship not what pleases you but a total coming into the presence of God and surrendering your very being into his hands. But that surrendering of your being into his hands must also be accompanied by the truth, by Jesus Christ. So when we come And a spirit comes to meet us and brings us great joy and tells us of wonderful things that aren't true, we know it's a demon spirit. We know it's not real. It's not God. This woman I've described who had this afterlife experience saw things and heard things that she will now believe all of her life and she will tell everyone that it is true. But what makes something true? only Jesus Christ. If it disagrees with the word of God, it is not truth. If you believe that God has unconditional love for you, you have been deceived by a false spirit. You may believe it with your whole spirit, but it's false. And it's not what God is looking for. And you will be shut out of the kingdom of God. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, the one being called Christ. When that one may come, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I, I am he, the one speaking to you. I am the Messiah. Well, as he's having this weighty conversation and she now turns to walk towards Sycor. His disciples come back. They see them talking. From a distance they see them conversing. But no one said anything. They didn't say, what was that all about? You're talking to a Samaritan woman, Jesus? The woman left her water pot and she went into the city and she was better friends with the men than the women. She went to the men and said, you must see a man who told me everything I did. Surely he is the Christ. They went out of the city they came to Jesus. Now we have another vital truth that has unfolded that I want you to hear. The disciples are saying to Jesus, Jesus, you must eat. You must eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat which you do not understand. The disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat, did they? Jesus said to them, My food is that I may do the will of the one having sent me and may bring his work to its absolute, complete, finished job. Do not say it is yet four months. Do you not say it is yet four months and then harvest comes? Look around, I tell you. You must lift up your eyes and carefully look at the fields, for they are white for harvest already. And the one reaping receives a reward and gathers fruit for eternal life. But both the one sowing and the one reaping may rejoice together. For in this the word is true. One is sowing, another is reaping. I sent you to reap for what you have not labored. Others have labored, but you have not entered into their labor. Now there's, there's something in this that's so vital. I want to talk about it, please. Be patient with me. I'm, I'm trying to dig at this. It's not easy. He's saying to them, My food is that I may do the will of the one having sent me and may bring his work to its perfect end. Well, I immediately began to ask the question What is my work? What is your work? Jesus is saying that the work that we are called to is literally our food. He's saying that he is doing the work of God and that this is his food. Well, food is what gives us strength and energy. I was raised in a farm household and there was a lot of work to be done so my life consisted of of hoeing beans corn picking tomatoes canning putting away food for winter all the things that you do in a farm household and then in the winter it was schoolwork get your lessons done it was taking care of the house. I had no sisters. I had two older brothers. And so it was up to us to vacuum the house, to clean it once a week. It was to do whatever my father needed to have done. And then outside of the work of the farm, there was then small times of freedom to enjoy life. My mother would take us to the library and we would select library books that we would bring home and we would read those library books. They were escape library books. They were hardy boy novels. They were westerns. My mother just thought it was important that we read. She didn't much care what we read. My father would remonstrate with her and with us and say, You need to be reading the Bible, not those lies. Novels are just lies. Well, Dad was right. My mother was wrong. But what I'm trying to say is, in the midst of all of the farm work, in the midst of all of the school lessons, and in the midst of living out my life and learning to be responsible in my behavior, I found time to go escape to the woods, to chase the deer, to track the rabbits. I love going to my neighbors. He always had rabbit traps out. And I would sneak into the rabbit patch where he had the traps and open them and release the rabbit because he would kill them and cook them for his for his dogs. And I liked the rabbits. So I would go open the cages and let the caught rabbits out of the trap. Or I would be in the summertime swimming. It was an idyllic life for a A young man, to to learn responsibility, to learn how to work, and then to have time to play. But as I look at this, it's so much like so many of you today in the way we have all been trained to live. First, to be responsible, to do our jobs, whether it be schoolwork or just having fun to live a normal American life, to be industrious, to save our money. That's how I was raised. I wanted desperately a a glass flex recurved bow out of the Sears catalog. Daddy said, no, I won't buy that for you. If you want it, I'll give you space in the garden. You plant the lima beans. You hoe them. You take care of them. You water them. And then when they're ripe, you pick them. And I'll take you downtown in Sharpsville, Pennsylvania, where we lived. And you can sell them door to door. And the money that you make, you can buy your bow and arrows and quiver. Your arm guard, your finger guard. So that's what I did. That was good learning. I wouldn't have learned nearly as much if Daddy had just bought me the bow and given it to me. It would have been left out in the rain somewhere. But believe me, I took care of my bow and my arrows. Well, what I'm trying to say is, in the midst of living life, Where do we get our food? Well, I'll be honest with you. My food was the Hardy Boy novels. We didn't have television. We didn't have, of course, computers or cell phones. We had a party line. Do you understand? I was just living. I was a Christian. We went to church three times a week. I was a follower of Jesus, I thought. But no one ever taught me how to do the work of God. If I understand what Jesus is saying here, He's saying that what gives him life in his human form, what gave him life was to do the will of God, to do the work of God. So we have here, if you're going to worship God, you're going to have to worship him in spirit with everything of your being being given over to jesus and then not taking it back but putting it in line with the truth of scripture and now doing the work of god which is to build the kingdom of heaven that is our job to build the kingdom of heaven Your job is not, as I learned it was, to do my schoolwork, to get the best grades I could, to help with the hoeing, to help with all of the chores of life, and then to run off and have time to enjoy myself in my leisure time doing what pleased me. That's not the Christian life. And yet for many of you, I suspect it is very much your life. So I give my whole spirit in line with the truth of Scripture. I obey that Scripture. I obey by doing the work of God, not walking in arrogance or wickedness before God, not walking in the pleasure of my own heart and my own life, but seeking in every moment to be in line with Jesus in the truth. That's a pretty radical place to be, isn't it? And I feel like I am right now I'm crying out to God and saying, Lord, will you help me understand the fullness of what it means to have all of my focused time and energy in everything I do to be focused in spirit worship, in the truth, building the kingdom of God. Some of you are very busy building your own kingdom. Some of you are simply trying to survive, and it takes every ounce of energy you have just to survive. Some of you are living the good life. You have goals and objectives, and you're going after them. But to be a Christian means to lay all of that aside. It means to lay your life aside. It means to open your heart fully and completely to the Spirit of God in utter, utter, absolute surrender as directed by the Scriptures in truth. What's true? What's right? And then in that place, To do the work of God. So when you go to your job, you're there to do the work of God. You're not there to complain. You're not there to try to get a better deal. You're not there to try to somehow impress somebody. You're there to call people like this Samaritan woman with the word of the gospel. It means you're going to be fully exposed as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm saying, Lord, this is conceptually, I hear it. Practically, how do we live this out? Now, obviously, you know, we can't live this out except if the Holy Spirit dwells in us. This is, this is coming out of spirit worship. This is flowing out of a heart, utterly given over to God with nothing held in reserve, with no defensiveness, no judgments, no accusations, no bitterness of heart, no concern for me. It is the opening of my spirit entirely to the spirit of God in Jesus Christ, in truth. And then to begin, step by step, doing what is necessary to build the kingdom of God. The place you'll need to begin this process is the same place I have to begin. And that is more and more to come to jesus and open my heart and then practice the presence of god practicing staying in his presence giving him total and utter authority over my thoughts over my actions over my mind not giving myself to anything in the world to claim it to give me strength or to be my food and and frankly i've had to say okay Ray, what are you eating for your food? Now, I'm not talking about necessarily physical food, although that can be involved in it. What are you eating to give you emotional and spiritual strength? What are you giving that you would not be destroyed by the wickedness of this age? What are you doing that is corrosive, To your spirit. All of that has to go. And it all has to be checked by truth, by Jesus. Now, the men come. He stays with them for two days which is astonishing. Jesus would come and stay with the unclean for two days. And they believe on him. Which means they also began to obey him. To do what he's teaching them to do. Now he comes into Galilee And they have seen him at the feast. So now he is received in Galilee because of what he did at the feast in Jerusalem. And he goes again to Cana of Galilee. That's where he started with his first great sign, where he took the water of cleansing and out of that made wine, which was his blood for cleansing. Now there's a royal official in that has come from Capernaum. That's a long hike. This man heard that Jesus had returned. His son is dying. And so he comes to Jesus and he asks him to heal his son. And Jesus says to him, "'Unless you may see signs and wonders, you may, "'you may by no means believe in me.'" In other words, he's testing him. Do you just want what you want, or do you really believe that I am the Messiah and that I can heal your son? The royal official answers him, "'Lord, do come down at once before my child dies. "'All he cares about at this point Is that his child is healed, but all Jesus is caring about at this point is whether this royal official believes in him and will obey and will become a disciple of his. That's the tension all through the book of John. The tension of, I want what I want. And Jesus saying, But will you worship in spirit? And in truth, will you obey the gospel? You know, I'll say it again as we close this broadcast today. The struggle that we live in is that we are so accustomed to the culture of America to the traditions of America, to the religious practices of America. That someone can come to church and shout and praise and give a wonderful testimony to God, go home and curse his wife and treat her with contempt. How is that possible? because he's worshipping in spirit but he's not worshipping in truth and so he has all of the emotions of I love Jesus I'm a follower of Jesus yes I am yes 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 I am but his truth is intellectual so he can curse his wife feel bad, feel bad, it's all personality, feel bad, no truth. We're going to have to change this. This There's going to have to be a radical change in our hearts and our lives. And that change is going to have to be a transition from flesh worship, from soul worship, from personality worship to spirit worship framed in Jesus Christ, in truth. No pretense. No lying. When you go to the grocery store, you're the same as when you're sitting in the presence of God in your prayer room. When somebody cuts you off on the road, you're the same as you are in your prayer room. When you're working and somebody begins to lie about you and cut you down, you're the same as you are when you're in the prayer room. In other words, the Christian walks in the fullness of the Spirit and in truth, doing the work of God to build the kingdom of heaven not to build my kingdom, not to build my future, not to buy my car, not to buy my house, not to get my, my life the way I want it to be. Every ounce is given for the building up of the kingdom of God. So I know people who say, oh yes, I'm a Christian, and they cuss like a sailor. I know people who say, I'm a Christian and would as soon lie as tell the truth. (laughs) Am I saying this in a way you can hear and understand? What are you going to do with this? I'd urge you to go back and read John the fourth chapter the question is how are you going to walk this out i have to face that question oh i'd i'd like another car i'd like this i'd like that is that what i'm focused on is that i'd like to be successful as i think of success in my mind Is that what my focus is? No. I'm here to worship God in spirit, opening my whole heart to him. I'm here to worship him in truth as my spirit is framed by the presence of Jesus Christ. It's a narrow path. It's a narrow road. Take up your cross and follow him. That's what Jesus was talking about. And then I have given and am giving every day my life to build the kingdom of God. That's why I do this broadcast. But I have to tell you, I feel like I'm still so shallow. I'm still so lacking of understanding and depth in this walk. This walk is much deeper and broader and much more vital than anything I've been able to come to yet. I'm saying, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. Teach me your ways. Lord, I just come and say, oh, Lord, I so desperately need you, Jesus, to teach me the truth to give me the ability to worship the Father in spirit and in you, in truth. And I am so unsure about how to build your kingdom and all you've said to me so far is, just wait on me. For Lord, I know you promised me that you would do more in a day than I would do in my whole lifetime. So, Lord, I'm waiting upon you, but I still feel like I'm so lacking understanding and so shallow. The depths are beyond my understanding. I pray, Lord, you will give us understanding that you will open our hearts and our minds and teach us how to walk with you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. I pray it's helpful. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I pray that the Holy Spirit will move in your heart to give. I'm going to continue trying to understand. I'm going to continue searching after Jesus. Come and search after him with me. So write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com. You can find there where we meet. You're welcome to come to the fellowship of the National Prayer Chapel. We're a small fellowship, but we're serious about Jesus and we're earnestly seeking Him in revival, the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so I invite you to, to look up nationalprayerchapel.com to give online. To come to a Thursday night, 7 o'clock, or come to our worship at 10 o'clock on a Sunday. Don't be afraid, be bold. We're people serious about Jesus. If you're serious, you're welcome to come. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm going to continue tomorrow in my study in the fifth chapter of the book of John. John takes us into the deep. Join me. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. One to
1: him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless. Oh